The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. After Jesus had been born at Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, some wise men came to Jerusalem from the east. Where is the infant king of the Jews, they asked. We saw his star as it rose and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was perturbed and so was the whole of Jerusalem. He called together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. At Bethlehem in Judea, they told him, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men to see him privately. He asked them the exact date on which the star had appeared and sent them on to Bethlehem. Go and find out all about the child, he said. And when you have found him, let me know, so that I too may go and do him homage. Having listened to what the king had to say, they set out. And there in front of them was the star they had seen rising. It went forward and halted over the place where the child was. The sight of the star filled them with delight, and going into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and falling to their knees, they did him homage. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod and returned to their own country by a different way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the last day in our Christmas season. It's the day, if you like, when the light of Christ's birth has shone to its full. You know, it's sort of like reached its highest pitch. And so it's attracting the attention of not just Israel, who have awaited their Messiah, but the whole world has come from afar. Like when you see the sun, before the sun has come over the horizon, you start to see its light and, and it and reality starts to change as a result. You think the sun is gonna rise there. You know, anyone can, can do that if they're watching. So this is happening on a kind of cosmic scale. Also, it's the day when perhaps an unexpected prophecy from Isaiah begins to be fulfilled. We're all familiar with, and the virgin will be with child, you know, that very obvious messianic prophecy. But there's other prophecies in Isaiah. In fact, Isaiah is just latent with Christology just staring at us. Uh, scholars often call Isaiah the fifth evangelist because it's as if he was there with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John watching the life of Jesus seven and a half centuries earlier. He's watching it vividly and he describes it vividly, um, albeit with, with um, rich symbol. He, he sort of leaves it there for us to, to await. We heard from chapter 60 of, of Isaiah there, and we only heard a few verses, but, but the text sort of waxes lyrical about the kings of the earth bringing their, the wealth of their nations, you know, bringing the, the heritage that they have to give and laying it to pay homage to this king of kings. He's a king that the other kings come to adore. Someone very, very, um, very important on, on a global and on a kind of, on a cosmic scale, really. This is the one that the whole entire world has, has awaited and is, is waiting to receive. 
I love the way that the scriptures seem to blur or at least soften the line between different things. You know, it refers to one thing, but from a, from a few different angles at once. In that reading from Isaiah chapter 60, and if you have a chance, go and, go and sit with the chapter yourself and just pour over it and let it wash over you. There's, there's a whole lot of things that are referred to, but the lines are sort of softened. So Isaiah is, of course, referring to God. He's also referring to God's anointed, this mysterious messianic figure, um, who he refers to as son, but also as mighty God, wonderful counselor, eternal father. Very strange. Even that on its own is, is strange enough. But then you have Israel, which is at once a person, a nation. You have Jerusalem, which is at once a place, but is strangely personified, you know. Um, Jerusalem takes on this kind of maternal image. We'll, we'll find refuge in her walls. We'll, we'll be born in her and peace itself will be the walls and salvation will be the gates, etc. has this, this beautiful imagery there. It refers to the Gentile world. In other words, this isn't just for Israel. This isn't just for the Jews. But to the ends of the earth, they will come to adore. And finally, even though it never names him, it refers very explicitly, I think we'll have to admit, to the person of Jesus, the fulfillment of all of this, the one in whom all the children of the world find adoption, find friendship. They become um, so close to God that all, all the lines are now blurred. You know, there are no lines of division in the person of Christ. Finally, today, we see the light of the world. And again, if, if Isaiah didn't blur enough lines, Jesus blurs one beautifully for us. We hear in the Gospels that he says, I am the light of the world. Think of when we recite our creed. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Something very um, unique about the person of Jesus as the, the Lumen Christi, the Lumen Gentium, the light to the nations. But then Jesus does something unexpected. He says, I'm the light of the world. Then he looks to his disciples and he says, you're the light of the world. So which is it? Him or us? Well, it's us in him, of course. It's us gathered into the light. Um, we, we start to become luminous with his light and nothing else, hopefully. So friends, kings from all over the world brought their gifts. Um, it's worth remembering on a day like this and with the feast of the baptism tomorrow that we too come as kings. That's what we're baptized into, the, the priesthood, the prophetic office and the kinghood, the kingship of Jesus. Therefore, there's, you know, half a dozen kings in this room about to adore the king of kings. And just like the Magi from the East, we come with whatever humble gifts we have to offer. If I can invite us as we turn to the Lord now in adoration, in prayer, to make our petitions as well, let's offer whatever it is that we can. Certainly we can offer things of value, and you can interpret that however you like, but we can offer that which is precious to us in any regard. That's a good sacrifice. That's a good um, gesture of saying, God, I have this stuff that's precious to me, but you are more precious. Therefore, I'll put this in you. Um, we can offer our particular gifts, our talents. We all have um, certain strengths, certain aptitudes, certain interests, areas in which we flourished. We can lay that at the feet of this king as well. Along with our talents, we have our time, which while finite, we can steward 
we can sort of multiply it in a, in a strange way and our treasures as well. We can present to the Lord our presence, the fact that we're here. We say, speak, Lord, your servant is here, a listening, attentive. We can offer not just our treasures, but, but the things that we know God treasures. You might remember that story with Saint um, Lawrence, one of the, one of the um, people who was in charge of the, the corporal goods, I guess, of the church in Rome. And when, when um, persecution came and they said, Lawrence, give us the treasures of the church. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll get them. And he comes back with all of the poor and the crippled and the widows. And he says, behold, the treasures of the church. And they didn't like that, so they burned him. Um, but we bring the treasures that we know God treasures, not just our silly uh, monetary stuff. Think, too, of um, the words of Teresa of Lisieux. You know, she bore such a beautiful witness of receiving the gifts from Christ, including even the gift of suffering. Yeah, we can lay our sufferings at the feet of Jesus as well. This is a good gift. It's a good gift to lay in front of him. Finally, we, we all have our work and our occupations and our rest, and we can lay both of them now at the feet of Jesus. All our toil, all our trade, and all our, um, you know, our need to be reposed, <laughs> to go and lie down and rest, even that can be offered to the king who, who desires that we would rest finally in him. As Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Whatever now we bring in our hearts, in our minds, let's bring them knowing that we're contributing to the building up of Christ. We're, we're putting our little piece of the puzzle into his body, that this might be a high tower burning brightly for all the world to see.